What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Today's guest episode is with Adrian Rommel, the Yoni nutritionist, who is someone that I have already had on the show once before, and her episode has been one of the most downloaded guest podcast episodes of all time. I know that for the women that resonate with the herpes virus, this is such an empowering conversation for you to tune into because there can just be so much fear when it comes to dating whilst carrying and testing positive for herpes. And for me, I am 35 now. I am single and I am in Bali. I am ready for my partner when he is ready to show himself to me and find me. I am really for the first time in my life ready for him. And in the process of exiting my last relationship in this time being single, I am really reclaiming my wild woman and my sexuality and I am having some of, if not the best sex of my entire life and it feels so liberating. I am actually going to record a solo podcast on this for you very soon. just feels so intensely good to feel this part of me be back online, sexuality, my sensuality, my sexual expression, my wild woman coming out in the bedroom. She is one of my favorite access points to the truest, most real, authentic part and expression of me. And I deeply yearn for and desire every woman in my world, whether you test positive for the herpes virus or not, my deepest desire for you is that you get to access this part of her that lives within you. I turned to one of my girlfriends in Bali a day after spending a night with Mr. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I really need to record you a podcast episode about this and I turned to her and I was like, you know when you're fucking for like four hours and every single second of it feels just so pleasurable that it feels like you're basically on the brink of climax the entire time and you are. I was so out of my head and just so present to the pleasure that I was experiencing in my body and my experience with this person. She was like, no, I've never had that experience ever before in my life. And that to me was such a penny drop moment of, oh my God, women get to have and access this. And I just love that this gets to be here for me now. And I also love that it gets to be here for me now with the herpes virus, because what I deeply desire for you is that you get to know that this is possible for you too. And there was definitely so many years of my life where I just thought dating with herpes was going to be the most awful, horrible thing. I just thought disclosing with herpes was going to be the most awful, painful, excruciating conversation. I just thought sex was never going to be pleasurable. I just never thought that sex was going to be what it can be. And right now it is for me what it's never been before, which is greater than fucking ever before. And I want you to know that is possible for you. Whether you have herpes, whether you don't have herpes, you get to reclaim your wild woman in the bedroom and you get to be so tapped into your pleasure and your ability to hold and experience and receive pleasure. And I believe this comes down to deep nervous system work. So like I said, I know this is kind of a mini podcast in the intro, but I am going to do a solo for you all because we get to fucking talk about this because this experience doesn't just get to be mine. It gets to be yours too. But today I have Adrian on and we dive into all things dating, disclosure, and herpes. This is one hell of a fucking sequel HSV guest episode with the Yoni Nutritionist. If you love it, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Adrian because we would love to connect with you. Strap yourself in. Let's fucking go.
I am sitting here with the beautiful Adrian Rommel, aka the Yoni Nutritionist, and she is actually one of our most listened to guest episodes of our raw, real, and vulnerable almost year and one half of recording. So Adrian, welcome back to Raw, Real, and Vulnerable. Thank you for having me. I can't believe it's been a year and a half. Well, I mean, it's probably only just ticked over a year, but I do like over-exaggerating sometimes. I had a memory pop up today on my Facebook that two years ago, you were a guest speaker in one of my programs. So you've actually been in my world for a really long time and vice versa. And it's just so great to be connected. Oh, that's so great. And it's also because we have so much fun together. I know we do have fun. (laughs) We make what could be a very non-sexy topic, very sexy and very fun. So... For the audience who doesn't yet know who you are, Adrian, aka the Yoni Nutritionist, who are you and what is it that you do in the world? Oh, well, I am helping all of the vaginas in the world. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Adrian. I am the Yoni Nutritionist. I'm a holistic nutritionist that specializes in holistic nutrition and wellness for women's sexual health, particularly around the very common chronic vaginal infections that a lot of us get like yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis, UTIs, all of those, and the most loved of our STI friends, genital herpes and HPV. I've lived with all of those my entire life. Well, for most of my sexually active adult life, I guess I should say. And I have learned to manage my recurring infections holistically with my diet and my lifestyle. And that inspired me to go back to school, quit my corporate career and study holistic nutrition so that I can help other women who are struggling with these things and don't know where to turn. Mm, Love that. And I really don't want to pick your brain too much about your past just because we have volume one of us for women to backtrack to if they ever want to see that and listen to that episode. And I'll pop it in the show notes. But you and I wanted to dive into something super sexy today which is dating with the herpes virus. So can you share with the audience, A, what age you are and what is your experience like of dating? Let's just open the conversation there. That's a good question. (laughs) Uh, So I'm 42. I just turned 42 in September and my experience of dating has been, I was a serial monogamist up until my probably early to mid thirties and I became single and have been single ever since. So I've been single for about eight years, nine years almost. And I've been dating here and there, a couple months here, a couple months there, but never anything serious. But I've dated a lot and I've disclosed a lot. (laughs) And I've been having lots of sex too. I love that. I have been dating a little because I'm so specific about what it is that God gets to bring to me. (laughs) I'm so specific about the kind of intimate relationship that I'm desiring. And I have disclosed a lot as well, just because I love to be in the conversation of herpes because I find it such an interesting conversation starter. So when you say that you've disclosed a lot, what is the response that you receive on the other side of your disclosure? It's usually met, I would say 80% has been accepted. 20% of my disclosures have not been accepted, Mm. let's just say. And I usually find that it's met with a curiosity. Mm. And a lot of men are, because I'm somebody who sleeps with men, I've even dated and slept with women as well. 
But a lot of people, it's the first time that they have heard somebody tell them this before or have had somebody tell them this before. So they're usually a little bit curious about it. Some people really don't care. <laughs> they're just like, and like, I've been met with somebody that said, and, and I was like, uh, okay. But a lot of people are met with curiosity a lot of the time. Mm. So some people are just like, oh, okay, that's the first time I've heard of it. What does that mean? Can you tell me a little bit more? Mm -hmm. And that's when I explain my situation and a little bit about how we can have a healthy sexual relationship still. Do you enjoy the information piece? I guess I'm going to be totally transparent and say because I'm so active online educating and I don't desire to lead in relationship. And this is so counterintuitive to what I actually teach my women who get to inform and educate. When men ask me a lot of questions, I'm like, bro, I can't be fucked telling you, go and figure this shit out for yourself because I'm desiring a man that is like the and. And that's usually what I attract because a lot of women come into my world and they're like, I don't want it to be this huge conversation and it's like awful and heavy and I have to know all the details and all the information and I'm scared about what he'll say. And for me, as a part of my dating standards, I really enjoy dating the man that's like, it's not a big deal for me. I'm pretty sure it's a very common skin condition. I take great care of my health. I don't really have any more questions for you. So can you share your thoughts about that? I think it's been really nice to receive it with an and, <laughs> especially with people who don't care or with people who are knowledgeable about it. Mm -hmm. But I try to put myself in other people's shoes and come from a place of understanding where they're coming from. We just weren't taught about herpes properly. And I'm not here to educate them and info dump on them because... Yeah. That's not what I want to do either, but I am here to give them the reassurance. I'm here to disclose, to give them the opportunity to say yes or no. We, we all wish that we had that decision, but also to say, you know what? We can still have an amazing sex life. It's really not that big of a deal. It's an inconvenience sometimes. For me personally, I don't get outbreaks. I very rarely get outbreaks and I'm managing it. So it's really not that big of a problem in my life. So I'm confident in myself. So I feel confident to be able to talk in that way to somebody and just to give them the reassurance that the chances of you getting herpes from me is very, very, very low because I know my body. I'm doing everything that I can to manage it. I take like 20 different supplements a day. Just kidding, not that many, but I'm eating well to manage my herpes. I'm taking supplements to manage my herpes. I know what to do to manage my own herpes outbreaks and prevent transmission to partners. And I also reassure them, knock on wood, you know, I've never given it to anybody personally. So we can still have an amazing sex life with it. And I think if you just kind of give it to the people on the receiving end of a diagnosis in that way, instead of being like, because I used to do this. Did you know that one in, one in five people have HSV2 and there's two different and it's really common and, and, and you're just like overwhelming the person on the receiving end with too much. Mm. What's helped me in my disclosure is just really keeping it simple yeah. And it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And when you come across confident within yourself and just being like, you know what, if it's not going to be you, it's going to be somebody else. So here are some facts that reassurance with me. And it's usually met with, okay, 
Now what? So for the women that are listening or the women and men, I know what my disclosure sounds like. Can we do a role play where I'm the woman that is really interested in you and you get to disclose to me? Could you share with us what that would sound like? Like, hey, Adrian, I really like you. And like, do you want to come back to mine tonight? (laughs) Yes, I do. And since we're about to get sexy... It's really important for me to have a sexual health conversation with you just so we're on the same page with where we're at and what we're good with. And it's important for me to tell you that I live with herpes. I've had it for a really long time and it's really not an issue in my life. I'm managing it and we can still have an amazing sexy time, but it's important for me to share that with you up front so you know. And then I usually drop It's also because I talk about it publicly on the internet. I keep three points. I say, it's important for me to have a sexual health conversation. I have herpes, doing all the things that I can to manage it. And it's just important for me to share this with you before we get sexy. Beautiful. It's very similar to mine. Mine would be like, Adrian, before we go any further with this, I just want to share something with you. And if it was vulnerable for me, obviously it's not anymore. Like herpes is the least vulnerable thing for you to ever find out about me now. But if it was, I'd be like, this is really vulnerable for me. And if it was important to me that you not share it with someone else, I would request that like, hey, I'm going to share something with you. And my request is that this just stays private between the two of us, because this is actually private information about me that I don't want other people to know. And then I would say, I'm sharing this with you because I really respect you and I really desire to give you the empowered choice that wasn't once given to me. And I believe that it's really important that you know that I test positive for the herpes virus. And then I pause so that you can like hear that. And then what I say is like, hey, Adrian, do you have any questions for me? Because I'm the kind of woman that attracts the man that's like, yeah, so I like to say, do you have any questions? So he can be like, nah, I already know about it or my ex-girlfriend has it or I have it or yeah, I've already seen you on the internet. I know about it. So on your dating app, all good with it. And or the men that you say come with curiosity are like, hey, I literally know nothing about this. And I do have a few questions. And I know that you spoke about information dump. And I feel like a lot of women can do that of like, here's the transmission rates and antivirals and content. And it just feels like, whoa, I just got hit by a bus. I don't even know what this is. It feels like a lot for me. That's why I love to drop in. What questions do you have? Yeah. And it's good to ask them because sometimes I'll also say, when was the last time you were tested? Because I feel like also allowing a pause and giving them a chance to absorb that information, but also putting it back to them and asking them a question gets them out of like a a fear-based mindset and gets the person thinking and being like, oh, well, actually, I don't know my status. Oh, actually, I don't know when the last time I was tested or, oh, no, I don't have any questions yet. It's a really great way to kind of lighten the load a little bit because it can be a lot for some people on the receiving end. And again, that's why it's so important. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. If you just keep it simple and try to stick with a couple of main points with the facts because it is a very vulnerable conversation to have for a lot of people, even me still. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, I dread it. But really, still sometimes, yeah. Because it's just like, ah, oh, if I meet somebody I really like, and you know, there's a possibility that they're going to say no. And that's okay. Mm. It's on to the next, but it's always that chance, of course. Usually it's like, okay, well, whatever, no big deal. But there's been a couple of times where I've been rejected and it stings. 
Yeah. To give some context, mine isn't about herpes anymore, but mine is still the fear of being the too much woman on social media of like, oh, I'm good with the herpes piece, but like, fuck your Instagram is a lot, Rebecca. And that to me is like a genuine fear. Even right now, I desire to show up more on the internet and I haven't shared this with anyone yet. But because I have this deep yearning, I've never been ready for partnership. And at 35, I'm like, I'm ready for him to come. There's a part of me that's like, is my Instagram a bit too much? Not is the herpes virus. I'm like, I'm all good with that. I know that he's going to accept me with that. But is my Instagram and my radical self-expression on the internet, is that too much for him to accept? Mm. Yeah, I feel that. I <laughs> I have a personal Instagram that I keep separate from the Yoni Nutritionist <laughs> that I share. But also I, at the same time, I think if they think that you're too much on the internet and on social media, if they don't see the huge benefit to both of to your work, to my work too, then they're not the right person. Fuck them, man. Uh, I mean, my truth knows and still my humanness, the little girl, the insecurities. My truth is like, nah, he's like, I think what you do is amazing. But there's still that edge of mine that it's just come up within me the past months where I'm like, whoa, I've found a new edge within me. And I love that you've shared vulnerably that disclosing is still a bit of an edge for you, even with how public you are. And I guess a part of my question is, do you find being public about it makes disclosing easier for you? Yeah, definitely. I think it has built my confidence so much because I talk to people who live with herpes every single day and I have my own Facebook support groups for people with herpes and I just see how common it is. And ever since I've learned how to manage my herpes outbreaks, because I've lived with herpes for 20 years and for the first 15 years, I had maybe five outbreaks. And then there was a three-year phase where I was getting recurring back-to-back outbreaks once or twice a month for three years. And that really messed up my mind, my self-confidence. I started feeling all this internalized shame. And when I started learning how to manage those outbreaks and get it back under control after that phase... I was just like, this is actually a very manageable virus and it's not that big of a deal. And it's really how we feel within ourselves too with it. During that three-year phase, I was like, I'm not dating. I don't want to even talk to people. I don't even want to put myself out there to date. Mm -hmm. But I was just holding myself back. Once I started getting that under control and feeling more confident and doing my work and talking to people every day, I'm just like, this isn't even a big deal to me anymore. And sure, these conversations are hard. But if somebody can't accept me with that, I'm not going to try to convince them or change their mind. You know, I've been rejected a couple of times. And whenever I used to get a rejection, I used to fact dump. I used to be like, well, did you know that one in four people live with HSV-1, one in five people live with 67% and the 13% and they would be like, I don't care. I'm still, and then I would just kind of spiral. Now I'm just like, okay, you know what? Rejection stings, but it's on to the next because the next person will be okay with that. And I have proof of that because I've had a ton of people literally say to me, and (laughs) so, oh, my ex had that. I've learned so much from my friend who has it. And I don't think it's a big deal. And a lot of guys will even want to have unprotected sex. Most people don't see it as a big deal. Yeah. And I know that we've touched on transmission rates. I have my own perspective when it comes to transmission rates. I believe wholeheartedly that no matter what we do to prevent transmission, that both intimate partners just have to be accepting that transmission is still a chance because I know women who have been married their entire lives and never passed it to their partners. 
I know people that have been using antivirals, feel like they've eaten all the perfect things and condoms and passed it within the first month of being with their new sexual partner. And so my opinion, and you might not agree, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is if we're about to engage in sexual intercourse with someone, if they're only with us based on the percentage chance of getting the virus or not getting the virus, that's probably not a great reason to engage. I believe that both people have to be accepting that it could be a possibility. Otherwise, if that possibility occurs, that could be a very painful situation for both of you to face off with. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, STIs, sexually transmitted infections, whether it's herpes or HPV, chlamydia, syphilis, any of them, it is a consequence of having sex. Mm -hmm. And it blows my mind that people are still so freaked out about giving it to somebody. Of course, you never want to transmit it to a partner because you never want them to feel the same way as you felt when you contracted it. And yeah, it's not a nice feeling, but You have to understand that the person, by them accepting when you disclose and give them that opportunity, if they're okay with it, they take 50% of that responsibility of understanding, yeah, you have herpes and they could get it. And a lot of the people that I work with feel so much guilt and so much shame and it's such a heavy weight on their shoulders. Oh, I don't want to give it to my partner. I'm so afraid. And I'm like, I get that. Yes, of course. You never want that to happen. But also at the same time, that person should be taking 50% of that weight off of your shoulders because they're accepting the risk. And anybody can get herpes from anyone because most of the time, most people are walking around and they don't even know that they have herpes. It's asymptomatic. They haven't been tested. They don't know their status. And people are more likely to contract herpes from the people who don't know that they have it than from the people who know that they have it and they know how to manage it and they know their symptoms and they know their bodies and they're aware of it. And we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we're so afraid of giving it to somebody. But you have to just remember It's a part of being a sexually active human. We can get herpes from having a one-night stand with some random person as well, which happens a lot. None of us are immune to it. And if you really dial it in how silly it is, seeing as oral herpes is still herpes, cold sores are still cold sores, I'm sure when you're out at a nightclub or at a music festival, whatever it is that you do and you're dancing and you're singing and you've had a few drinks, you're dancing with a guy or a girl and you're really attracted to this person, they're about to kiss you, you're not like, wait, do you get cold sores? No one fucking does that. And that essentially would be disclosure. So that risk is no different to being sexually active with someone. It would be the exact same thing, but we don't as a society. We're not like, oh, before I kiss this person, I better stop and just check in. And I also believe that herpes requires some amount of emotional intelligence. I met this gorgeous guy in Bali a few months ago, and I've shared this story on the podcast before. We met on Hinge. I had obviously my herpes diagnosis on there. We went on a date, a couple of dates actually, and he shared with me, hey, Beck, I really love what you're doing. And I met a woman about a year and a half ago and she disclosed to me. And I wasn't that into her. So I said to her, look, I'd prefer to use condoms. I'm still willing to sleep with you and share this time together. But I personally don't want to receive the herpes virus from you. I don't see our relationship going anywhere other than casual sex. Because he was a very logical man. He's like, look, if I really like her, then yeah, she comes with the herpes virus and we're going to be in a relationship together. If I'm going to sleep with you a couple of times, I probably don't want to get it. And so he slept with her, never got it off her. The next woman he dated disclosed to him again. But he was like, and I fucking really liked this woman. So he was like, well, fuck it. I really like you. 
you come with the herpes virus, but I literally want you to be my girlfriend. So I'm going to accept that there's a chance that I could end up with this. They got together. He ended up on the receiving end of it. And he was like, yeah, I was super accepting. I ended up with HSV1 genitally. And I chose that because I liked her. And the previous woman, I chose not to sleep with her without condoms because I didn't like her that much. And I know men are so much more logical than what women are. We're so much more emotive, but that really made so much sense to me. What do you think about casual sex? A lot of women are like, casual sex has been taken from me. Reckless sex has been taken from me. One night stands have been taken from me. What do you think about that? Oh, I've had lots of casual sex in my (laughs) eight or nine years of being single, girl. I can't even count. (laughs) And I've disclosed to most of those partners, but Mm -hmm. some of them I haven't. Mm -hmm. I have gotten to a point... In my diagnosis, and I'm just going to be honest, and I talk about this on my Instagram as well, is like, if I know I'm going to have a one night stand, for example, when I was traveling and I knew I would only see this person once, maybe twice, it wasn't going to be a thing. As long as I knew that I felt good in my body, I was doing everything that I could to take care of myself. I didn't have any symptoms or anything. They were using condoms. I sometimes don't put the pressure on myself because I don't feel the need to disclose in that time. It's similar to the example that you just gave. You're at a concert and you start making out with somebody. You're not going to be like, wait, do you get cold sores? Because sometimes in those moments, as long as you're being safe and you know that you feel confident in your body and in your health, why even bother bringing up that conversation? Just have a good time. That's what I have been doing. But it also depends on the person. There are times where when I was in Bali, for example, and I knew it was just going to be a casual sex situation, but it was with a guy that I really liked and respected. Mm -hmm. And we were friends. I've known this person for a long time. So that's when I said, look, I did the whole disclosure conversation thing. I think it's important for us to have a sexual health conversation. And I went into it and he was completely fine with it. And I was like, phew. Mm -hmm. And he even was okay with having sex with no condoms. And so it was like, okay. (laughs) I think it really just depends on the situation and the circumstance. It's not so black and white as some people might make it seem. And maybe I'll get a lot of fire for saying that because some people that I know are like, well, I got herpes for one night stand and I can see why that's upsetting, but I've lived with herpes for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I just find sometimes that there is a gray area of disclosing versus not disclosing, especially when it comes to casual sex, because sometimes If you know you're doing everything that you can to be healthy and be safe and everything else, why bother? Yeah. Like, why bother putting that added pressure and heaviness onto it? But again, it really just depends on the circumstances, the situation, and the person. That's what I truly believe for me personally. And do you know what I'm hearing? I love that you've shared this perspective. What I'm hearing is it aligns with your moral compass. Like some women, if they go out and they have sex and they don't disclose, but the guilt that they then get afterwards, they go through months and months of all-consuming guilt. So for that woman, having sex without disclosing really isn't aligned. For me, I don't because I just love having the conversation. I find it super interesting. And also I'm going to put in the space because I am so public about it online in Bali, everyone wants to swap Instagram. So if I don't tell him to his face, the next day when he adds me on Instagram, it's going to be right there in his face anyway. So for me, it feels better for him to know in advance. And I went through many years, four years 
where I was having sex without disclosing because I felt entitled. I felt like the thought of having that word come out of my mouth felt like too much. And I believe this is my perspective on disclosing. I never put pressure on any of my clients to disclose. And because I give them the space, like if you want to have sex for the rest of your life without telling anyone but me, you get to do that. And I feel like the space to actually have the choice to choose whether we disclose or not actually supports women to get to the place where they live in alignment with their own internal moral compass faster. But there's a lot of herpes advocates online that are like, you must, and you should tell everyone. If you get cold sores on your lips, you should be disclosing too. And I feel like, oh my God, someone going through so much shame and pain and the trauma of a shock diagnosis, pointing a finger and saying like, you must disclose, that's actually not going to get them any closer to disclosure. So give people the choice to choose. And this is where I think when we do disclose to people, if they were to be on the receiving end, the fact that they did have the choice, I believe that choice changes everything because they feel like they have the choice and someone disclosing now feels like they have the choice. Everyone starts to feel empowered rather than being like, I'm in this fucked up situation where I'm forced and I have to and sex has been ruined for me. That's my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And it adds a lot of pressure. It can be. And even like I was saying, I've lived with herpes for 20 years. I still dread having these conversations because it just it's never fun. You know, you just want to have a spontaneous good time and let things flow. And it's like waiting for the guy to put on a condom. You kind of just got to be like, ah, wait a sec, I got something to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, gray area, there are just some times where it's like, is it really necessary? Like if you know you're being safe, you know, you're doing all the things that you can, you know, it's just going to be a one-time thing. Yeah. But I've had an experience where I thought it was just going to be a one or two time thing. And it ended up being a couple of months. And I didn't disclose and I let the guilt and shame consume me. And I finally told the person, I was like, I'm so sorry to do this. But, and they were like, okay, well, thanks for telling me. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard that situation go one of two ways. I personally would feel very betrayed because that was the experience that I went through. And I was sharing with a girlfriend the other day. It's like when I reflect on the completion of my relationship and my ex-partner was going through a lot of financial hardship and a man being really rock solid in his finances is important to me. I was kind of like if I was dating a man now and he was in extreme financial debt and didn't tell me, and then in six months' time, he turned around and shared with me, actually, this is super vulnerable for me. I've made some choices in my life that have resulted in this being my experience. And and now that I trust you, we're six months in, I want you to know, I would feel so incredibly hurt because it would be rubbing up against a deep core wound of mine that I would be like, you literally betrayed something within me that is going against a core value of mine. Some other people would be like, oh, it's not a problem. And so I've had clients go through this experience where someone's turned around and said, I love you and I love you with whatever you come with. And I've had other clients who have gone through this experience where the person is like, I feel deeply hurt and betrayed by this. And so I think it's so individual based on that person's life experience, core beliefs, value systems, understanding, knowledge, emotional intelligence. There's not really a one size fits all when it comes to this. Exactly. And I feel like you just have to do what's in your integrity and in your values and what feels good for you in that moment with that person in that circumstance and situation. It's not, you must disclose all the time. It's not like, oh, don't disclose because also it can have some negative repercussions too, but there's a middle. It's like, again, what's in your core values, what feels good for you in your heart. And what is it that 
you're avoiding if you choose not to disclose. In my case, I was just like, I just want to feel normal in a moment of spontaneity and fun. I don't want to bring that up and it be a big deal and have to have this conversation with the person that I know I'm never going to see again. But with the guy that was my friend who I knew for a while, I was like, I really respect you and I like you a lot and we have a history together and I know this isn't going to go anywhere, but I need to share this with you. And he really respected that. So I love that. And so I guess something that I want to hone in on with you, because this is an area of your expertise, which is so different to mine, is you speak about, you know, your body you know that you've got it down to a point where the chance of transmission is highly unlikely. What is it that you do to manage herpes in a way that reduces the viral load to the chance of transmission is unlikely or a lot less? I'll tell you all the things that I do physically. Like I can say, eat this, don't eat that, take all these supplements, blah, blah, blah. And I will. But I think the most important thing that's changed my life with my herpes diagnosis is changing my relationship to my diagnosis. And I used to put myself into an anxiety spiral. I made a video about it last year with an actual real spiral that I was going through where I was checking my vagina, my yoni, my vulva every 10 minutes in a mirror because I had a new partner. I was so freaked out. Oh my God. It drove me nuts. It almost manifested itself into an outbreak because I was creating all the stress for myself. And When I started really realizing that and really seeing my herpes as a friend, I know that sounds weird, but I really know that whenever herpes comes up in my body, it's because I don't feel safe. That's just my personal trigger. Some people's triggers are when they eat peanut butter. Some people's triggers are when they have a glass of wine. My trigger is when I don't feel safe with a partner or within myself. So I'm like, okay, what is that? teaching me? What is that showing me? What are some of these old feelings that are coming up in me? When did I feel like this before? And I started seeing my herpes outbreaks and my diagnosis as more of a little lighthouse to my health. Because when it comes up, it's really my body trying to protect itself and giving me a message that it needs help and support. And I started seeing it like that. I was like, oh, okay, that's not actually that bad. That's a good thing. Instead of throwing myself into this shame and anxiety spiral, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need sleep? Do I need to nourish my body with good food? Do I need a hug (laughs) from a friend? Like, what is it that I need? And yeah, I think changing my mindset around my diagnosis and creating a better relationship with it and my body and really just accepting it was the biggest thing that has really helped me move forward and feel confident and manage it because it's not only the physiological things in the body, all of these things that are happening in the background, your immune system, your nervous system, inflammation, etc. Mm-hmm. but it's a lot of mindset because yeah. what's happening in here can affect the herpes virus as well because herpes is a virus of the nerves. So managing your stress is really important. I totally get that in terms of managing outbreaks. And that man that I told you about, the good looking one that had the casual sex and ended up with the girlfriend, ended up with herpes anyway. I've shared this story in a past podcast where I literally don't get outbreaks. My mantra is I don't get outbreaks, but I also believe that my body will scream at me when I'm not listening to her in the form of an outbreak. So whenever I do get an outbreak, I'm like, whoa, 
my body is a miracle. Like that's the first thing I like to do is just give myself the most flattering compliment of, wow, you are incredible. And what is it that I'm not hearing? And that man, we went on another date and all he did was talk about himself. (laughs) Adrian is rolling her eyes and pulling the funniest facial expression right now. It was so boring where I was like, mate, do I need to teach you how to date a woman? Like what the fuck? And he was so good looking and I hadn't slept with anyone after Jake yet. And so I was like, I need to cut this cord and actually be intimate with someone. And our first few dates were good. But this one, I was like, I cannot stand this guy. I never want to go on a date with you ever again. I'm definitely not sleeping with you. And I walked out of that date and I said to myself, not seeing him again. Then he started texting me and he was like, really great at sexy texts. And he was all about me and all about my pleasure and all about my orgasm. And after about 60 minutes of texting, I was like, this motherfucker knows more about my orgasm than fucking Jake does in three years of dating. And I was like, I'm going to fuck this dude tomorrow night. So I said to him, I'm going to see him tomorrow at 7 p.m. The next morning, I wake up no shit with an outbreak. Oh, no way. Yes. And I call my best friend. I was like, Tracy. She's like, what, Beck? I was like, I've got an outbreak. She's like, wow, your body is crazy. I said, no, I'm not going to have sex with this guy. My truth was you don't actually deserve to have sex with me. We went on a date and all you did was speak about yourself. That does not align with my values. And then because he was speaking to my orgasm in a way in which my ex did not, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to override my no and sleep with him anyway. And my body stopped me. And I was like, my body is so fucking smart. Thank you for making sure I didn't make that unaligned choice. So I get that in terms of our mind, the metaphysical, our emotions, what we eat, what we drink. But what about specifically the reducing the chance of transmission? You shared that there's certain ways in which you navigate that. How is it that you do that? Well, I take a lot of supplements. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, yes, I do. But I don't take any supplements. (laughs) I don't want to tell you the truth, but I don't take anything. I probably don't even need to at this point, but I think some of the PTSD from my recurring outbreaks, it just gives me a bit of comfort and reassurance to know, okay, like I'm doing everything that I can. But I really understand if I have any prodrome symptoms. If you don't know what that is, it's symptoms of an outbreak without an outbreak being present. And sometimes you can feel it and sometimes you can't. But some of the common symptoms are nerve pain, any kind of tingling or itching in the area, a vaginal infection, UTI, BV, or what would feel like a yeast infection, but it's not a yeast infection. These things, if anything doesn't feel right down there, I don't have sex. Mm-hmm. And that's just becoming more aware of your body and learning more about herpes and how it works. Of course, condoms, but they don't protect 100%. You can take the antivirals. That helps reduce the rate of this prodrome viral shedding transmission. But I haven't been taking my antivirals even when I've been sexually active without using condoms. So it's really just being aware of your body, the self-care practice, making sure I'm getting enough sleep Mm -hmm. is number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is nourishing my body with good whole foods, a whole foods diet. I've been maybe 60, 40 this past summer. I'm in Canada. (laughs) I like to be about 70, 30, 70% whole foods, 30% enjoy my life. There's been a few weekends, bender weekends that I've had this past summer where I have been surprised that I haven't gotten an outbreak. But you know, when I got an outbreak was when I went on field And I was having all these casual sex encounters with these random men, even though my mind and my vagina were saying yes, but my nervous system like you was like, nope, I do not feel safe in this situation. Oh my God. The amount of times where I've been excited to hook up with a guy, maybe too soon, I get an outbreak right before. And this is why I say, instead of seeing it as this horrible thing, it's like, oh my God, my body 
is amazing. It's so interesting. And my body is literally trying to protect me because subconsciously, this isn't in my values. This isn't really what I want to do. It's so interesting. Herpes is such a funny virus like that. <laughs> uh, that next morning where I was like, fuck, so much. I was like, I know some women are like, it's not a gift bag. I'm not there yet. But I'm like, what a gift in really strange wrapping paper. All I deeply desired was someone to come in and choose me fully. And now I carry the most stigmatized virus on the planet. And I'm a loudmouth on the internet. Like that man has got to choose me fully. I'm no one's handbag. And now if I'm about to act out of my own integrity, my own values, my own alignment, my body will stop me because I don't want to do that. And I'm so grateful for that experience. I don't take supplements. I know you said you were 70, 30 or even 60, 40. I would say I'm like 90, 10 when it comes to whole foods, like 10% dessert, 90% eating really well. I exercise one to two hours a day. I drink three to five liters of good quality water a day. I love being out in nature. I'm at the beach a lot, which means I'm absorbing a lot of salt. And I work on my emotions. I'm in a lot of personal development. I do the deep internal work, which for me is like my natural healing of herpes. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And it just really aligns for me. I've always had a high value for health and I only align with when it comes to friendship and relationship, people that also have health as a top three value. And so for me, when health is a huge priority for you, you're going to find a way to manage this in a beautiful way. Yeah. I'm a nutritionist. I eat mostly whole foods, but I goddamn love a pizza. I will go. crush a pizza and I'll crush a bottle of wine. I love to drink. I'm a huge foodie. I love cooking. I love trying new foods. I love indulging in moderation. I know my limits when my body tells me, but food for me isn't a trigger. For some people it is. Yeah. But what triggers me is not feeling safe in partnerships or in a home environment. I used to get outbreaks when I traveled a lot too, yes. which was interesting just because I wasn't grounded anywhere. I didn't feel safe in a particular place. And this is where it also can be metaphysical, emotional, energetic. It's not just, oh, I ate a piece of chocolate and I got a, an outbreak. And what I'm hearing here, this is one thing I want to reflect back, given our situations as similar but very different, what I love to do is empower women to come back to themselves. You said some women get outbreaks based on the food that we eat. You and I do not, for example, yet we both choose to eat mostly predominantly very healthy and we enjoy indulging and I love to experience pleasure through red wine and dessert. But some women will eat something and get an outbreak. And a lot of women will message me on Instagram, can I eat acai? Can I eat chocolate? Can I eat peanut butter? Can I eat avocado? Can I eat muesli? And for me, I'm like, I can't actually tell you what you can and cannot do, like maybe, but what I would love to do is empower you to go on a deep journey of learning about you, your body, your pussy, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what triggers you. Maybe you can have heaps of casual sex on field and nothing, and you and I have heaps of it, and we're like, no, our bodies say shut down, done, we're not a yes to this. And so I think the most empowering thing that we can do as women is actually learn what works for our bodies rather than being like, Adrian's going to tell me, can I eat peanut butter, Adrian? Can I? And you're like, I don't know, Beck, eat some fucking peanut butter and figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes it's a process of trial and error, especially for anyone who is new to their diagnosis and they don't know what their triggers are yet. Sometimes you just got to try things mm -hmm. and figure it out yeah. <laughs> on your own. Like I could tell you things, you could tell people things, give you the guidelines at least to say, here's what are some of the common things for some people that are triggers, but it is your journey. Everybody's on their individual unique journey with herpes. And what works for one person 
isn't always the same for the other person. And sometimes you just got to take that journey on your own mm-hmm. with some help, but also figure it out what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. Amazing. Well, my love, I have absolutely fucking loved this conversation today. Two last questions, viable ones. If you were to go back to the prior version of you who just figured out that she was diagnosed with herpes and felt like her dating and sex life was ruined for good, what is it that you would say to her? I would say, don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry. You're going to be fine. Beautiful. And my final question that I ask every guest is Adrian Rommel, aka The Yoni Nutritionist. What does it mean to you to be raw, real, and vulnerable in your own life? Just being honest and authentic and real. I could sit here and say, oh yeah, sure, you should disclose. No, you should not disclose. No, I'm going to tell you how it is for me what it is in my experience working with people living with herpes. And I'm just going to give it to you straight and real and vulnerable and honest because that's just the way I live. That goes with all of my morals and values. And it's trying to live by the truth authentically. I love it. My love, you're amazing. If anyone from my world wants to get all the way up into yours, where do we find you? Find me at Yoni Nutritionist on Instagram. That's my main community hub. And then I also have TikTok and my website and all kinds of ways that I can help you if you're struggling with recurring vaginal infections, herpes outbreaks, yeast infections, all of them. Amazing. I feel like we need to do this every year. Every year there gets to be a Beck and Adrian sequel. Maybe I should come to Bali. Come to Bali. Let's go. Let's go out and get sexy. Yeah. Like an in-person thing maybe. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm a yes. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode. 